Welcome back to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Mike Connolly. Hello. And today we have with us Jim Rose from Lasuria. Hey. And Jim picked one of my favorite artists and a record I hadn't listened to in some time. So it was, uh, I was really excited when uh, Mike told me what Jim had picked. They've been in communication and scheduling this. And so today we listen to Crawl Units After Music from 1994. And what? An incredible listen that was. When you picked Crawl Unit, I was super excited because I don't know if underrated is the right word, but there is, it's someone that maybe doesn't get talked about a lot these days. Definitely an unsung hero um, for a multitude of reasons. Just his approach to recording, uh, composition wise, um, just, just a master, just a complete master. When did you come to the CD? Oddly enough, this was actually one of the first purchases that I got at the hospital shop when it first opened. Oh, I cool. think, yeah, I came out with a stack and, uh, and after music was one of them. Oh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, once I heard it, it was a bit of a life changing experience. Well, it really makes sense to me, especially on this listen that, that you really took to this and that this is something that inspired, uh, Lasuria because, one thing that I think of when I, when I listened to Lasuria and it was coming, I was thinking about it while listening to this is I have no idea what is happening, what is being used, what, what I have no idea what's happening anytime. And, and I feel the same way about uh, when I listen to Lasuria, I've never have any idea what you're doing. Uh, and here it's the same way. I, I absolutely don't know what Joe Coley was doing on any of these tracks, but I loved every second of it. Yeah, I mean, same here. I mean, there's so many of these tracks that I just had question marks as to what the source material could have been. I mean, I have some speculations, but but a lot of it was just, I mean, it, it could have been anything. And uh, that's that's the brilliance of Joe Cawley. Absolutely. My note sheet is is just full of guesses as to what's <laughs> going on and what the source material is here. Uh, I remember seeing a Crawl Unit live performance on the Fever Pitch Sights Unseen VHS. And he's playing like two blocks of styrofoam with microphones attached to them. Oh, wow. And it's sounds like you wouldn't imagine it would because it's just like, what, what the hell is he doing? What's he, how's he processing it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think any, any thing is fair game in the crawl unit universe. Kindly mentioned Joe Colley. And that's uh, maybe a point we should make is that crawl unit is the name that Joe Colley was operating under for uh, pretty much the nineties. I think he started using his own name in around 2000. I think it's like 2001 or something. He kind of switched over to his, his name. Yeah. But this, uh, this project seems to be, you know, just him. I think uh, occasionally there's some other sources or contributors, but it's all done by his hand. And there's a, there's a lot of great material out there. And this one is uh, one of the earlier CDs being from 1994. I think the project started around 92. The, the recording info for this is from 92, 93 and 94. And we can address any of the specific stuff about tracks as we get to it. Um, so you got this at the hospital store, mm-hmm. which is a, that's a cool, that's a cool find. I think one of the, uh, I think one of the first days at the hospital shop was open. And yeah, just went down the stairs, <laughs> crawled down the stairs, crawled down the stairs, <laughs> exactly. Oh, and, stairs. and just being overwhelmed with just the stuff that was there. I mean, just stuff I heard about, but just never got. And, and yeah, I mean, 
So were yeah. you were you familiar with Call Unit when you got that, or or was it something that you had heard about and and wanted to? It was actually a recommendation at the time. Um, I was really obsessed with the uh, Timmy Sara CD. Um, that I think MSBR put out, and um, I was actually asking, "Is like, is there anything similar to Timmy Sara?" And at the point at that point, I was like, "Oh no!" And then somebody was like, "Maybe Crawl Unit." And then After Music was there, and then you know, it was just kind of handed to me, and then took it, and yeah. Oh, that's so cool. That's really cool. I think, I think I got this from the uh, maybe it was the Malignant Tumor List or something in the late '90s. I somehow got in on some mailing list or saw some for sale list, and it was all crawl unit stuff. And I I don't one one thing maybe, and I just bought every about all of it. So I had like I got like every seven inch and all the weird CDs in one lump sum. So this is stuff that's been with me. Any of the stuff that was kind of released up till then has been with me for a long time. Oh wow, that's it's, cool. Uh, yeah, like I said, I hadn't listened to this one in a while. It's it's in a thin, uh, like fold over case, printed on both sides, and uh, some some info in there. But it's it sits in my uh, like CD wallet th- slim case section, so I have to flip through there to think of think of playing it. Unfortunately, but I'm so glad we jammed it today. That was amazing. Yeah, I I don't know. It starts off really just kind of crazy with uh in fact i didn't because <laughs> it had been so long i didn't remember at all how it started so we put the cd in the player and uh it's a classical piece but it's glitched out and skipping repeatedly until it starts to make like a really strange melody and sort of i don't know it's it's almost like a glitch idm piece done with <laughs> skipping classical music yeah and, and, it, and it it is kind of a is that I mean, there's something very '90s about starting the CD with a you know skipping sounds? I mean, we were all brought, uh, we were all thinking about uh, the beginning of Typo Negatives October Rust album with the the, the bad ground. Bad ground, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so it was definitely, it definitely uh, brings you back to that era. Um, but but then it does it does uh, create a kind of a cool loop as as it goes on. It is a very short track, but it creates a very it does create a very cool loop. It also um, serves as a good introduction of what's to come. It's almost like a teaser. It's just like what you're going to hear in the next uh, 65 minutes is just going to be twisted and destroyed and mangled and to what extent you don't know. So it's kind of just kind of maybe an introduction of, of the album. It's funny. There's there's more sort of mutated music on this thing in a few pieces. Uh, when we get to what to, to have not is some sort of playing uh victory and funeral march or him sort of manipulating other other source music uh precedence track 10 is uh credited in here with uh, covert audience recordings of capote music and uh illusion of safety and borbido magus so there's like some sort of just like room recording of live sets of those bands being manipulated into like this mass of noise there's nothing identifiable in it the whole cd kind of goes along like that where like you're you're pulled into this like there's a weird melody or there's just some sort of strange loop. He has a really good thing where he sets up kind of a scene and then starts to introduce maybe some sort of weird looping thing that is disintegrating at the same time. (laughs) And then there's sort of a live element of static played alongside of it. And it's not that these all follow a formula, but I did notice a little motif in there where it's like, you can kind of settle into the zone of a couple of these tracks because they, they have this feel to them um, where it's, 
something familiar, something comfortable, something rhythmic, and then just like something kind of crumbling and dissolving over the top of it. There's also something very theatrical about this entire album, I felt. Um, some of the tracks, uh, like uh, The Shadow of the Object, for example, I felt had a bit of a narration to it. Um, and then you go to something like track six for theater, which is something uh, almost like a like an interlude. And then as the album goes on, it's almost like, um, yeah, it's just almost like a story that's being told in a way. I really enjoyed The uh, the Shadow of the Object. It felt like we were in the shadow. There's sort of these massive... Uh, kind of friction I don't want to say bowed because it doesn't sound like that but it's sort of like things are on the one thing he rides really well and he does it in this piece is sort of the edge of of feedback where some sort of object is miked and just on the precipice of feeding back and he can bring it to it with some sort of like friction or movement or whatever and then kind of dampen it and control it and so everything feels like it's about to fall apart into kind of like a just a single tone kind of mess but it's just peeking its head over and then and then disappearing again only to come back like when he wants it there actually that you mentioned the feedback is um a lot of these tracks um are just like loaded with feedback and i actually wrote down that he is the master of feedback because he's almost approaching feedback as something expressive uh almost as if uh like he's playing a musical instrument almost in a lot of these tracks so it's not just like you know feedback for the sake of of killing your ears it's just like there is something subtle there is something creative about what he's doing with the feedback and it's like that with every track and yeah he's he's a master when it comes to just working with feedback shadow of the object definitely was kind of the first real real standout it's the third track uh it's the longest track on the album and yeah it just has that great slow burn you know empty growing feeling growing dread there's a lot of dread throughout this album definitely yeah every there's so much tension and dread throughout and i and i really uh was feeling the same way uh as as you jim with the idea of there what there is this almost you know uh storyline going throughout and and uh the one thing too is i one thing i kept kind of thinking with a lot of these tracks is I just, I didn't want them to end. Like I, I felt like a lot of the tracks could have just been a, an hour long album on its own. Right. You know, and, and, and shadow of the object was, was one where I was like, just keep going. Just, we don't need to end. We don't need to wrap this up. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, you know, the whole time. A lot of Joe Colley's tracks just have this ability to just suck the listener in and you're just kind of, you just don't want to go. You, you just don't want to let go. It's like you're into this other world and you're just kind of a part of it. And, yeah, he, I mean, he's great at that. And um, The Shadow of the Object, actually, there's something Lovecraftian about it, almost, uh, besides the name of the track, uh, but also just how it starts off, this, like, really cavernous, ambient type of, uh, type of beginning. And then as the time goes on, the feedback becomes, uh, becomes increasingly louder. Um, the track itself just becomes more menacing, louder. Um, the clashing kind of could represent kind of, like, the object, whatever that may be. And... Um, then at the end, the object just starts to retreat as the track becomes quieter and uh, only just hints at a return. It's like a classic horror story, really. Just like, all right, so you think that the uh, you think that the villain is dead, but is he really? Right, and right. Kind of... <laughs> I was also reminded of being uh, in a car wash with this one, with sort of the way the sheets hit and like the yes, um, the uh, different pieces of the car wash like come and like slap onto your car as you're going through because that that sort of happens. There's a lot of friction in this thing. A lot of like things start just getting 
uh, rubbed against, for lack of a better term. I have the the word whetstone written down because that really felt like it. I was also reminded of one of Joe Colley's contemporaries, Damien Romero, Mm -hmm. in this piece uh, where he'll uh, use like microphones placed on the floor and uh, maybe some sort of, you know, working with the feedback and the resonance in the room to create this sort of, again, the edge of feedback and this sort of like shaking mass that happens. And uh, this this piece reminded me of that. Certainly. And I, I agree with you because Joe Colley, even in the previous track, uh, Soul Virus, um, I have the suspect, uh, suspicion that he does work with mic placements, uh, different locales, locations. Like one location, I think it's like either he's in a sewer or in a cave or um, like who knows what, but he's definitely working with like another tank. But you could tell there's some sort of mic placements going on and wh- what he's doing with it, you don't know. The first two words I have in the song for for my notes for Soul Virus are sewer cavern. Nice. <laughs> Mine was empty basement filling with water. So. Like, I, totally, totally. Like you hear the pipes going and yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's like definitely. it's like the beyond to go definitely. into the horror. horror. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Joe the plumber. <laughs> and then to to cut out of that though, we go into to have not, which is a strange break from the the sounds we've heard already because it's this sort of guitar auto harp some sort of like tapping strumming so there's a rhythmic element to it um but there's a a tight delay on like some of the notes so you get like a weird kind of not sure when to expect something to ring out a little more and then there's the hollow tones of his like weird feedback manipulation kind of Mm -hmm. growing and moving under it yeah and 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 it's hard to tell if it's a loop or if he's playing some of it or if he's or it's both, you know, maybe a loop and then he's playing over it. I pictured him. I had pictured him playing the the whole thing seemed like a, a couple of takes of playing some stringed instrument or even just an object because there's, you know, there's a tonality to it. There's some kind of notes being played, but it's not any sort of like a musical melody. Absolutely. It. It's it's definitely not sampled. He's definitely performing it. Uh, but the beauty, uh, the beautiful thing of Joe Colley, it's like. You might know what the source is, but what is he doing with it? Because like right. I put down like, you know, maybe it's palm muted. Maybe he's actually hitting the headstock of the guitar. Like you don't know. Like yeah. and um, he's definitely working with delays. But part of me actually wonders if this is like Joe Colley's interpretation of making a music box. Like 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 he's creating his own music box for this particular track. Oh, wow. I love that idea. I'm, I'm going to go with that. This this is where in the point of the CD where I did note. I said, much like Lasuria, I have no idea what is really happening right now. <laughs> and so that's when I really started being like, that's when I really, uh, the comparisons were, were shining through. I love that track. I, I think I love it. It's one of my favorites. Because I mean, it, it really does stand out and it really comes at a time where it's really cool to have a, kind of a new palette. Mm-hmm. Well, we sort of return to that motif later on in the album, but mm-hmm. we'll talk about that when mm-hmm. we get there. Because the next track, is involution which just opens with this like mulching digging earth moving like heavy gritty crumbly bass sound and uh it almost feels like you're plowing through the earth and arrive outside and it's raining and you're hearing the rain on every surface near you like with the you know new ears or something this is a a track where um his transitions are perfect because he's going with a layer where it's actually like, it sounds like dug up earth. He's definitely working something with earth, but then out of nowhere, he seems to gradually get into some sort of uh, water recordings. And um, you don't even notice it until like you're well, good 30 seconds into that particular layer. Um, 
And, and this track is loaded with that. It just goes seamlessly into these different layers and different, different, uh, just different areas. I felt like I was seeing like rain hitting different surfaces in some sort of like degraded close-up mm-hmm. montage where you would you would just sort of or they would be sort of panning around and focusing on different elements because you're you're hearing this but it's it's changing in these strange ways and it's giving you a sense of space or depth to the piece that's really interesting and there's it it does start to sort of loop and become something but like you said you don't notice it happening all of a sudden you're just sort of you have this sway to the piece that wasn't really there before yeah, I mean, I've, I I felt outside. I was under a metal awning with the rain hitting on it, smelling the rain, smelling the dirt. Hey, this is such a cool track that it brings all this out. Um, and and the so the title Involution. There's a couple a couple things going with this whole album. Is our research assistant Tara uh, uh, was digging into it for us. Um, and so so the name of the record is After Music, and from what from the cover. The, it's it, it kind of an abstract red blob, which uh, is a good chance that that is placenta, a.k.a. afterbirth. Um, and so this is something that uh, might be going through this this album. And the uh, this track is called Involution. And the term involution uh, is is uh, it's the it's the shrinkage of an organ uh, in old age or when inactive. Um, AKA that's what happens with, uh, the uterus after you give birth, it, it shrinks back after it is no longer active. And as we look on the inside, we see a, uh, drawing of a baby in a skeleton pelvis. So there's something to do with birth, with afterbirth, with, with, um, you know, uh, going along with that theme. So, so involution. Then we come to the the piece for theater struggle, and this is uh this is the first piece on the record to acknowledge some uh, source recordings by Jay Boring, D Chandler, and L Scarrot. It looks like maybe it's, T, it's got, T Scarrot. It's really great, like early '90s, like type. I, I love the way that looks. Yeah, the liner notes are <laughs> I definitely love the way they look. Just done on an old computer, like processing thing it looks really yeah really proper and yeah. if you've seen any early 90s cd like noise cds you probably know exactly what we're talking about um and this was like a i was reminded of those recordings of native americans uh like folk songs and the voice in this hit me like like that but distorted it's sort of this ch- like almost chant uh, ritual, spiritual sort of chanting going on, layered and distorted. And uh, and then there's just kind of a nasty tone going through it too. This is also the track, uh, the first sign of any tape manipulation, at least that I noticed, um, it comes right here. I mean, he definitely employs it much more throughout the album, but this particular track, um, that's where I noticed a lot of tape stuff being uh, being used. Yeah, I was getting that with the weird warped vocal mm-hmm. uh, manipulation loops and stuff like that. There's also a lot of like just probably the most amount of tape hits on this piece. Definitely, to, it's a little more. Album. It's a little more in the red that we've than we've gotten so far. It's a little kind of it's it's a different palette than he's been working with so far on the record. 
one thing I noticed also is like um, there are some like feedback, uh, like blips and loops, which was on this track and the previous track, which could have been like a happy accident, I guess. Like normally, like let's just say if I was working on a recording, that's something I would edit out. He keeps it and he goes with it and it just works. It works beautifully. It just kind of just between all of the layers, it just kind of somehow just makes it work. It almost settles into almost a groove at points. Yeah. You know, there's, there's mm-hmm. points where, you're, where I, f- I found myself kind of, you know, nodding my head to it. It sounded like something metal being hit at a point. And there were also, I, I have drums in quotes written in my notes because it, it really did feel almost like some, some sort of like weird drum loop going under it, but it's, it's cut up. You can hear a tape splice or something. So there's these Definitely. weird pops in it. Maybe it's a, a loop comprised of several different snippets of tape. Uh, and it's it sounds really weird. It's it's glitchy and like kind of off kilter. The next track, Funeral March, I the way when that started, I I just it was just kind of wow. Like, oh yeah, this is what I want to hear right now. <laughs> and I and again, this is one that could have just gone for an hour to me. Like I did not. This is a yeah. This is one of the best tracks for sure on this record. Um, certainly, it sounds like a, like a slow down LP. Um, I actually wrote down slower always means bleaker and it just, it's probably the bleakest of, <laughs> of, of the tracks yes. on, on after music. Um, but it's just, it sounds like, you know, you're, you're in a, you know, you're out in, um, in a funeral in the rain, just, you know, rain's pouring down and it's really just murky and just nasty out. And I think a lot of the actual, like the, the record pops and stuff like that kind of adds to that atmosphere. Yeah. It's a, the the rain is like this sizzling, crackling, tearing sound. It's mm-hmm. not quite rain. It's all these other almost familiar sounds that don't make sense in the way that you're hearing them. And it's it's so cool. I, I heard a a radio in the background and maybe like a a distorted symbol being hit uh at some point. Well yeah, there was a point where I was thinking I was like, do I, is there a band? Do I, am I hearing a band? That's what I was thinking. And then try to figure out what the band is. Yeah. <laughs> Fuzzy symbol loop band underneath is uh, something I've got here in my notes. Yeah. It, I mean, this track is just, it's just atmosphere upon atmosphere upon atmosphere, just building on top of each other. It's very narcotic. It's just it definitely settles in and it's this, it is this funeral March, but he's, he's playing with it too. So you get these weird shifts in tone in it and it's, it really had me entranced for a full six minutes. Definitely. And it actually kind of sets a precedence for the, for the next two tracks, I thought. Yes. Um, like a precursor. Yeah. If this one on, on the next to the track title, it's, it's, you know, on the note sheet, I have the, the track number and the track title. And I just wrote plus static after funeral March. Cause that's really what it was is like yeah. a funeral March and, and this weird static that he, that he uses. And, uh, and the next track is victory. And on that one, I, I just wrote "crawl unit plays victory" because it sounded like he was he was jumping a needle or making a tape collage of some other piece of music and then fucking with that. It was it, it felt very nostalgic to me. It felt very much of the past to me. And sadly, this is the shortest track on the record because again, I just didn't want it to end. This is one I actually wrote down. Uh, the uh, the taste of victory is short and sweet because it's actually <laughs> really just you know a, a great track and it's. Uh, aside from the intro track, this is the shortest track of the entire album. Oh, right. Oh, right. Yeah, the intro track. Yep. But I like that. The take. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it is short and sweet. But but it kind of sets the theme of the entire album where just, you know, the idea of uh, something very bleak, something very, um, not quite depressive, but just moody, yeah, I guess. 
I mean, that is interesting. I, I, I agree with that as far as I didn't get a depressive feel from this, but, but bleak, yes. So uh, there's something to that, you know, where somehow it doesn't come off as depressing or depressing. No, there's, there's nothing sappy about this record. By, by, <laughs> no, by there, yeah, that's what it is. There's, no, there's nothing sappy. <laughs> Am I wrong or was this the one dedicated to EBN Ozen? I'm not sure. Yeah, track eight. So this was a, this one has a apologies to EBN-OZN. Did I get that right? I did. Eben Ozen and uh, a Japanese synth pop group. What was it? <laughs> a what? New York City. Yeah, let's. I'm going to hit my mark key so I know that I need to edit this part. Okay. So this one has a a note in the liners that says uh, apologies to Eben Ozen for track eight. And uh, it was a 1980s synth pop duo from New York. So maybe he's sampling something of theirs in this track. Maybe, maybe victory is uh, one of their, maybe victory contains some of their, their music. But what happens after victory? You get lost. Loss. <laughs> and, uh, this has got that great dark dead tone. It's a, it's a sci-fi like stab, not not even stab. It's just this like kind of descending tone, synth tone, sci-fi thing that just really cool. Really sets a an ominous mood for the piece. This one, um, right from the get-go, um, I don't know if the bass, if the bass pulse was uh, sampled or if he played it, but it really reminded me of. Um, your Totus King soundtrack, um, some of that stuff on there. I really think that he might have just like looped it and used it as a background and then put the layers over on top of it. Um, that's the thing. You can't tell. Maybe he sampled, yeah. maybe he played it. Who yeah. knows? But um, there's actually a lot of this track that reminded me of uh, Soul Virus, especially where it's kind of like has that like vomiting noise, uh, not quite cut up, but it kind of just shifts into these very sudden directions. I don't know if it's like a, a tape work or what, but... Um, it's so it felt so strained mm -hmm. sort of and kind of held like it's having difficulty it's being held back it's it's, it's a really strained piece and at the at the very end it, it like it break it breaks free and opens up it's really you actually get a release to the tension created during the piece at the very end of it which definitely some of these pieces don't do and you're just left thrown into a new ball of tension on the next track and the next track is precedence version and i i didn't see uh, where the other version of this might have been but maybe it was included on an earlier tape or without a title or something uh i this is the one that includes uh the covert recordings of illusion of safety borbetto magus and uh, capote music and i just wrote by the sea down for this one at first i really felt like we were in some sort of like beachside amphitheater and all these sounds just start colliding you hear the the tape manipulation there's some weird shifting tone there's a lot of dead space and that could maybe be from the audience recordings of those shows it's like a barren amphitheater yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> cavern sound weird noise washes that fade in and out and it's really just sort of like him manipulating through all these sources you get this weird collage that that has a tone and definitely feels like a cohesive piece but it, it takes you all over the place through the seven minutes that it runs. 
Yeah, this one for me was uh, was uh, by far the harshest track on the entire album because this is the one where he's actually working with the scrap metal. Uh, it's creating an impact. He's actually hitting it. And the one thing I noticed is right when he does the first hit of metal, the entire all of us in the studio kind of like did a, a double take and a jump back a little bit because it just comes out of nowhere. It's very surprising. And um, the entire the entire track is kind of like I put down blinding noise because it was just something about it that's really... Um, what is yeah, that great like yeah. kind of sharp swirl ending to it yes. with the metal and and yeah I, I, there was a point where everyone did kind of get knocked yeah. awake or not, not not that we were asleep but we were you know because it, it is very you know uh, you know my eyes were closed I was kind of just getting into all the sounds and all of a sudden it's like whoa oh yep. my god here we are and and kind of also going with the uh, you know scenes film fil- cinematic quality to these. Um, I was taken uh, to the movie Stalker, and and wow. and that's where I felt we were. I felt we were in in that, in the zone. In the zone. <laughs> yeah. The that metal has this almost uh like train coming down the tunnel, screeching on the rails sound to it at times. Definitely, and it's with the kind of cavernous nature of it. I was almost like, Are they, is this a field recording of a a train? But it doesn't have that telltale like train on the track sound. It just has the, the kind of the scary tunnel atmosphere and the the squeak of it i was actually thinking the same thing uh there's one thing with this track that um the uh, i think it's like the final 30 seconds i don't know what reverb he's using but um i'm like super jealous like like, it it was just like incredible whatever he used (laughs) it was awesome (laughs) and then we come to the 11th piece seeking which is another piece of the sort of strumming tapping nature of the uh, the sixth piece, the fourth piece to have not. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I I really really loved this. I loved the way it came in, you know. And and again, I was just it was just you know what, where is he taking us with this one? Like where are we gonna go? That's kind of the thing with all these tracks. It's kind of like you were saying. There's there is this. When they begin, it is you don't really know where you're going to be taken uh, with 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 all these, and this one is right there with it. This one is the the one that reminded me the most of maybe another act in a in a way that it I wouldn't ever say Joe Colley does, but uh, I, I was thinking of like Jandek during this piece, oh, wow. like this sort of like weird loner bedroom folk thing. Mm-hmm. But this is the abstracted private noise tape version of it, where it's like. There's a weird melody. This is kind of a song, but then there's a there's this like kind of backwards creaking, scraping kind of sounds going on throughout it, and it keeps getting noisier and noisier. I thought of like metal fatigue, um, but it also just felt sort of like a like a folky piece to me. Like it wouldn't necessarily be out of place on a on a you know a different record from someone that predominantly plays like a, a weird guitar or something definitely because that guitar in the background you could tell it's playing something but what you don't know because the other layers are kind of just weaving in and out of of that guitar layer so you don't know what it is exactly but um this is also probably the most menacing of the tracks i thought because Absolutely. um i mean you have the title seeking it's like what is he seeking it's like it can't be good because you start hearing laughter it's you know so it's definitely something uh something evil um again it's kind of like the more horror uh horror tale side of of crawl unit yeah and then we come to saturation test which is um a saturation test measures the oxygen in your blood it's when they put the uh 
that kind of little thing on your fingers to measure the oxygen in your blood. Again, kind of going with the medical theme uh, that he was that he was kind of giving us throughout the album. This starts off though, and it's it's fucking heavy electronics. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah dude. Oh yeah, it, it, the. It is super heavy electronics, and the it's just those empty heavy electronics that just keep building on top of each other as yeah. it's as it's as it's growing. The the bass is sort of cutting in and out, and you have just that that nasty '90s Euro heavy electronics tones going and going and going. Absolutely, like it could have been on a, on a Tesco release from the '90s for yeah. sure. And uh, this also is another example of just how great Joe Colley is with, with feedback. I mean, it was just like the mixture of, of, of the heavy electronics with the, um, with the feedback was just, just incredible. Yeah. yeah. There's these sort of low howls and mm-hmm. kind of whistling that, that comes through, but it doesn't, it never feels like, like tacky feet, you know, like unintentional feedback. It is always so deliberate when it's there and it's really powerful and it really adds to the depth of this piece. And there's just, there's some hiss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is a hiss heavy track. Definitely. There's also some parts where it sounded like almost like there was like exposed wires involved, like some of the textures. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that kind of added to that as well. I Such felt. a fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny with the saturation test. Um, I didn't realize till after we were done listening uh, to it, but it actually makes perfect sense to end the album like this because, you know, the track becomes quieter. It becomes more spacious. Um, there's less going on. It's kind of like the loss of oxygen equals death. And that's the end of the album. Wow. Whoa. Great. That's great. Um, that's a great way to end. But it's not the end of the album. <laughs> well, there almost, is a tiny the little coda at the end of the record. Yeah, we have a... It's it's listed in the liner notes as track 13 is secret. And it's not listed on the uh, track listing, but there is an untitled piece at the end of this that's uh, about four and a half minutes long. And it's it's a, a room recording. <laughs> it's... The tape machine was left on. I'm packing up my equipment or moving a couple things around and going to get a drink of water or something. Yep. It's really empty, dead, voyeuristic, like a peek into after music. Like this is, it's literally after the music on the record. So, um, a couple other things, uh, about, uh, this album. Um, on the inside, there is a there are some liner notes um, that are credited to Joachim Erst Ben uh, Banner. Oh man, I'm again the worst name pronouncer of all time. I will always apologize for that. Um, but the 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 person who's uh, the the quote is from someone who is a a um, Rajneesh follower, and and uh, you may have seen that documentary on Netflix, The Wild Wild Country, but that that is the the Rajneesh Rajneesh Rajneesh, um, uh, I guess cult would be the really the word, um, but it, so it's a quote by from uh, a Rajneesh follower about noise and about machines and about the noise uh, inside our souls and our minds. And, and and how it relates to the explosions of technology and, and the noise from machines. It's a really, really cool um, quote. Maybe we'll maybe it'll be on the webpage. I don't know. Oh, we, uh, here, we'll read it right now. I guess yeah. we could read it. Well, uh, I, why don't you read it, Graham? I'm terrible at reading things. We ourselves, our body, our soul, our consciousness, and our unconsciousness constitute the model for what we make of the world. A feedback control system exists between ourselves and the world. 
By interpreting nature mechanistically, man feels himself to be a machine. By feeling that, he makes himself into a machine. The neuroses that are a human waste product are analogous to the noise which machines produce. Machines would not be able to produce noise if we did not bear noise within ourselves. The explosions of technology parallel the explosions within our souls and minds. Joachim Ernst Berendt. Very, very cool. So yeah, so a quote from a Rajneesh follower and really, really cool and kind of sets the tone for, for the album. Um, Jim, what, so what were you, I guess, what kind of brought you, um, to noise to the point where you're going to pick up a crawl unit CD in the hospital store, you know, your first trip there. I mean, where, where did you kind of get your start? My start came, I guess, from, I would call the black metal background, uh, backdoor. Um, a lot of the nineties, uh, Scandinavians were having side projects like, um, Dark Throne had Neptune Towers. Oh, um, that's such. I love the Neptune Towers. Th- there, there was a Gast. Um, there was, jeez, um, who else was there? MZ Four Twelve, um, stuff like that. And um, at that point, I had no idea what any of that stuff was. But being a, a completist of, of of the metal world, I just wanted to see what was going on. And um, from there, it was just like this 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 world I had no idea existed, and just kind of trying to understand more and more of it. And then I would see that a lot of these, uh, these projects were released through cold meat. And then from there just started to get a little deeper into the cold meat catalog. Um, just learning more about the, uh, I guess the more dark ambient side of things. Uh, the noise stuff was actually kind of came later. Um, my introduction to it was early on through the, uh, through the relapse comps and stuff like yeah, that. For sure. Um, completely couldn't make heads or tails of it. I didn't know what to make of it. I didn't say it was like, good or bad it just didn't know what to make of it really so it wasn't until like um i would be introduced to like say brighter death now where there was like more of a context uh where there was more of a listenability to it and then as time went on then i would understand a lot of the uh the harsher stuff uh a lot of more japanese stuff that's cool great and so great you're you kind of also cold meat was a big path for you correct oh yeah absolutely i mean i I think of you guys you listed yeah, yeah i think of you guys of having a similar path in that way yeah, cold meat was a was a very big deal to me. Cold meat, and then you know Tesco, and then a bunch of, really Tesco. Kind of European mm-hmm. labels, Loki Foundation. That stuff was really strong to me. And discovering some of the the darker side of American noise, which I wouldn't have lumped Crawl Unit into at the time, but I like the sounds so much that it just it's a the the attention to atmosphere is something that is is really present in all of his work. Definitely. And I think what really, uh, what drew me to Crawl Unit was the same reasons what drew me to, uh, to Omei when I first discovered uh, uh, the Omei project. It's like, it's possible to mix uh, atmosphere and ambience together with the more uh, harsher side. Uh, with You can mix noise. You can have ambient with balls, basically. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's really what, um, say, Omei and Crawl Unit really just showed me. Um, and that's kind of was like a big part of uh, forming Lasuria. Really, it was just kind of like you can mix the two. Oh wow, that's so cool! And and and, and for those anyone who doesn't know, May being um, Chris uh, of sick, Chris Goudreau of Sickness, uh, his uh, side project of his, which is incredible and should definitely seek out any May, any Sickness. Anyone who's listened to us knows how we feel about Sickness. Oh, yeah. It's one of our absolute favorite projects. Um, so that but that is a cool that that is a really cool way um, to cool cool inspiration for you starting lasuria when did lasuria start 2007 it was oh, like wow. april of 2007 um the thing with that was um 
at the time I was in playing in like two different bands and um, Lasuri was strictly a side project. Like it was just, you know, just, uh, I think it was like the Korg N5, which I still have to this day, uh, a Boss Digital Delay. And I think like, like uh, I think the uh, Digital Reverb Delay pedal um, yeah. and just, you know, quick experiments. It was nothing to really, you know, release or anything. It was just really just finding, uh, finding my way, learning the ropes. And um, a lot of those recordings just never came out and it was just kind of, it wouldn't be till uh, maybe two, three years later where it was like, okay, maybe this is releasable. And um, I was in France, uh, maybe a couple months later, um, my friends at the uh, Amortu label, Alok uh, Totolo, they were just, oh, you know, why don't you do something? And then, you know, just showed them what I was up to. And they, uh, they offered to do the split with Obscure. And it just kind of went from there. That's awesome. We we played a show together. Oh yeah, back it was in the uh, day. it was uh, one of the Burning Flesh festivals. Um, oh, wow. I, can't, I can't remember which yeah. one. I remember you played Dry Ice, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that was a, a yes. component of the set. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I've been I've been itching to bring that back in in a live forum. I mean, I still use it on recordings to this day. I mean, it was used on the Three Knocks album. Um, it's just something that um, not easy to pull off live. So it's kind of yeah. like, and I mean, there was also some places that actually kind of frowned on using it. So I was like, you know what, just to make things easier, just kind of curtail it for now and maybe someday bring back the dry ice. But you, you use a lot of, um, for lack of a better term, non instruments to create a lot of your sounds, correct? For me, uh, ambient music is kind of the, the source of, uh, is, um, kind of like the art of atmosphere creating. So I think it makes more sense to find, um, just common objects and try to get an atmosphere out of it than say like, like a synth preset or something. So I think there's a lot more interesting sounds to be made from, say, like, you know, a contact mic to a can or just anything like that. Just field recordings, just find a way to manipulate them. And um, it just makes for a more interesting listen. I kind of felt that was even as a as an artist, I felt that was more of a more of a challenge than, say, just, you know, sampling stuff or or just, you know, being a keyboard project or something. Well, I mean, in. In my mind, you're you are the kind of the modern master of that style, uh, and 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 listening to this crawl unit CD today, you know, he was definitely the master, and 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 you know, back in the '90s, but still is, you know, still is going. I mean, uh, Jim was doing research, um, you know, leading up to you know coming here uh, for the interview, and uh, he sent me a, a a footage of Joe playing. I mean, I think it was like this year or, or late last year or something like that. I mean, it was it was current yeah it was a, it was a festival from 2018 i think it was from the czech republic if, if i'm not mistaken yeah but, but um and it was awesome yeah i mean he, he still has it he still has the chops and it's just amazing that he's still he's still at it but just hasn't released anything in, in a long long time but it was it was very uh, i was actually very happy to see that clip which means yeah. that he's still at it and yeah it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's 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 great well man jim thank you so much for picking this album because it was a it was a real revelation today, I think. Oh, it was just like great to revisit this album and just still reveals new things after how many years of, of listening and having this album. I feel like that's really true of Crawl Unit. Like you can you can put on proprietary acoustics or the future in reverse or stop listening. Also all all great titles. Crawl Unit versus Silence. Like <laughs> there's so much great stuff out there to to hear and every single time I put one of those records on and, and including this one, you you just like I forgot how good this is. This is, you know, I forgot how many layers there are. I don't remember ever noticing that thing in the way I'm hearing it now. And it's kind of, you know, the the way in which we sit and 
dedicate time to just focus and listen to these records. Crawl Unit kind of always does to me when I put on one of the records where I just hear, I, I, I get sucked into it and hear something I hadn't noticed before. It's one of the strengths of, of the, a really diverse palette. And it's funny when you, you know, it's really easy after the fact to be like, oh, okay, Jim picked Crawl Unit and I can see a straight through line from Crawl Unit to Lasuria, like stylistically and how varied your albums are and some of the sounds you use, the sound sources and, and composition. But I don't know that I would have said that a month ago <laughs> before I knew you picked this record, but right. you know, a little bit, a little bit of hindsight. And it's like, it, it makes perfect sense to me that this is something that you got kind of early on and, you know, or before, before sort of starting Lasuria and was something that was, uh, an important important thing to you definitely i mean all aspects of his recording even the the, the drone recordings i think it's a, everyone gets what they deserve i mean that yeah. that was a huge uh, huge one for for some of the lasuria drone tapes i mean it's, he continues to be to be an inspiration i mean he's just a great artist all around and that's the one on yeah. uh, crippled intellect right yeah i can't it remember is. Like, it cool. is, yeah. Yeah. Cool. and 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 it's funny you say that gray about because i had mentioned it to a a mutual friend of all of ours that that jim had picked crawl unit and he's like Whoa, I would have never guessed that, but that makes total sense now that you say it. So yeah, it, it's a, it's such a, it's such an interesting project. It's it's a, and again, it just keeps revealing itself as the years go on. I mean, this is over 20 this is 25 years old. Yeah. That's awesome. Just as listenable today as the first yeah. time I heard it. That's that's the markings of of, of a great master Absolutely. of an artist. Um so I do want to I do want to he did not ask me, but I am going to plug if you are hearing this when it comes out. Uh, uh, Lusuria is doing a European tour here. Uh, it'll probably be, oh, when this comes out, it might be happening the week. Uh, we'll see when it comes out, I guess, but, uh, check it out. He's doing a, a really cool European tour at the end of mid to the end of June. So if you're in Europe, uh, it's mandatory that you go see Lusuria. Also a new album, Three Knocks mm -hmm. out and now on hospital. And I think you can maybe still get Scarlet Locust of these columns on yeah. the CD, mm -hmm. uh, which, I I can <laughs> highly recommend uh, as I've listened to it about thirty times. Yes, I wish the Digipack weren't Matt White because I'm getting my grubby fingerprints <laughs> all over it. But, that's uh, uh, that's yeah. Both <laughs> both Scarlet Locust of these Column CD and the Three and Axe LP. You are ordered to purchase those. So <laughs> Scarlet Locust is definitely one that deserves its own podcast because the stories behind that entire process would would definitely take a good hour or two because okay. so many crazy stories <laughs> behind it. But well, you're in town for a couple of days. Yeah, right? so we're, we're going to keep you hostage. <laughs> and so we might be doing that. So, um, well, thank you, Jim. This was amazing. Oh, thank you. And, yeah, thanks uh, so much. Cool. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, home to noise artists for over 17 years by Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon subscribers. Thanks so much. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra. Find us on Instagram at noise extra or on the web at noiseextra.com. One E in all of those. We're also on Twitter at noise extra, but with three A's. Thank you for listening to us and to noise. <laughs>